Pastor Mark and Suzanne uh, find themselves in like 85 degree temperature down in Florida. Yeah, we're also sad for them. I, I talked to Pastor Mark. They'd been there only about 12 hours, and he said, I have a sunburn. Got no sympathy whatsoever from me. Hey, we understand that part of our role here at, at Portview is kind of equipping each other and preparing ourselves for what God has in our lives. And so we are very intentional to know that what we do here is kind of give you tools, practical tools for life. And I, I just want to do a quick little commercial for something that's coming up. It's a, it's, we call it the Follow Seminar. We're going to have it on February 15th, which is a Wednesday night, and February 19th, which is a Sunday. So on the 15th, it's going to be just during our, our regular Wednesday evening classes. And on the 19th, it'll be right after service, and a lunch will be provided. The follow seminar is, lasts about two hours, and what it is is it gives an individual the basic tools of what it means to disciple another person. What does it look like to walk somebody first through those first understandings of who Jesus is and then how to apply them to, in, in their practical life? Now, a lot of that stuff happens here at the church, but if we look at Scripture, often that happens just through friendship, right? Right? One friend walking with another friend in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so if you're interested in that, it's absolutely free. Books will be provided for you. Uh, this is a, a ministry that we've used in the past, and it is so great to be able to, as friends, walk with another friend in following Jesus. So on the 15th and 19th, and yes, go on the Church Center app, and you can scroll down on that first page. You'll see Follow Seminar. It'll give you a chance to register, so we make sure we have all of the curriculum and all the work that uh, we need. We'd love for everybody to be a part of that. There'll be another opportunity in March that we're going to set aside, I believe, the 19th, but try to make it into those February dates, and we'd love for you to come out. Today we're starting a series in the book of Habakkuk, or you might call it Habakkuk, or it's like a tomato-tomato thing, right? However you want to pronounce them. Some of you are saying, I don't even know where that is, Right? It's three chapters, and we call it a minor prophet because it's small. It's a small book. There's others that are called major prophets, and that's like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Not because they're better. They just have more content, longer. This guy's three chapters. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be hanging out with Habakkuk and learning a little bit more of, of what he has to say in those three chapters. And each week, we'll just take one chapter and see what he has to tell us and guide us in life. And honestly, the challenge that he gives us is we need to learn how to trust God even though it doesn't always make sense. Circumstances come up that are hard to understand. And so let's just start out in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Let me read it again. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Let's pray. Lord, our verse that we start with in this book is a challenging one. Understanding the complexities of why. But Lord, I'm so thankful that we can be in such a relationship with you that you'll walk with us in those questions. 
So help us today. Teach us trust when it's really hard to trust. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1990, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. 1990, I drove to North Dakota to go to school at Trinity Bible College, a little tiny rural Bible college where I spent my first two years. And uh, my first time even being out there, drove out there with my, uh, my Pontiac Sunbird. They don't even have those anymore, right? I, I don't suggest anybody takes a Pontiac Sunbird multiple states away from home. Uh, but I did, went out there, didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody, and, and within the first few days fell in with a group of guys that uh, proved to be lifelong friends. And, and uh, we've stayed in, in touch over the years. And, and uh, one of the guys' name is Randy. And uh, Randy, Randy was a state wrestler here in Wisconsin. Grew up in Wapaka, and uh, he was good. And then there was another guy about, about two rooms down, and he was a wrestler as well. So we learned very quickly how to wrestle. Right, and and the thing is, there was a guy down the hall that had something I'd never seen before. He had something called cauliflower ear. Does anybody know what cauliflower ear is? All right, does anybody not know what cauliflower ear is? Turn, put up your hands. Okay, it's okay. Cauliflower ear is typically what a wrestler gets or an MMA fighter nowadays when their ear, the blood vessels in their ears just start exploding because they are always in headlocks or their their ears are always being dragged along the ground and the ear kind of starts getting puffy, right? It sticks out. And I can tell you, if you see a person with cauliflower ear, just stay away from them. (laughs) Just stay away from them. Because what it says is he has spent a significant amount of time taking a beating. That usually means he knows how to give a beating, too, right? You never know that when you go off to Bible college, you learn how to take a punch. But that's exactly what I learned the first few weeks, is really how to wrestle with these guys. And we became lifelong friends, so much so that about a year and a half ago, I stopped in Randy's, Randy's, Christine and I stayed overnight with Randy and Corrine in Minneapolis, where they live. And within the first hour, Randy had me on the ground in a submission hold. I think she's got video. It was horrible. Like, Randy, I'm 50. Don't share that video. Just to, just to show, I, I played dirty. I gave him a fish hook by the end, and it was, it was all over, right? Here's the thing about Habakkuk. His name means wrestler. His name means wrestler because he was fighting with God on some big questions. He was willing to wrestle through some really hard things, right? Even so much to say he was frustrated with... Has anybody ever been frustrated with their place in life? Oh, everybody's sleeping today. It should be everybody's hand on this one, right? Habakkuk's a little bit different than all the rest of the prophets, and this is what makes him a little bit unique. Prophets usually talk to people about God, right? God gives a prophet the message, and he gives the message to the people. Habakkuk was talking to God about the people. 
he had some big questions. And it's kind of based, first chapter is kind of his frustration and his questions of God and then God's answer. Second chapter, another response to God and questions, God's answer. And then chapter three kind of culminates in how do we resolve these questions? How do we deal with them? And the two big questions that kind of come up over and over and over again in Habakkuk is why and how long. Anybody ever have those questions before? Why and how long? Why, God, are these things happening? And how long do I have to wait before you deal with it? Will I ever see you deal with it? These are good questions. These are important to kind of fight through. But Habakkuk shows us that God is available to talk with you about the hard questions you may have. Here's the thing. It's okay to have hard questions. But relationships are built on honesty. Hard questions should be a part of our conversation with God. Now let me give you a little background on what's happening around Habakkuk that kind of plays into what's happening. There's 12 tribes in the family of Abraham. These are the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, broken up into 12 family units. And at one point, around 900 years before Jesus... Ten of the tribes kind of break off from two of the tribes. The two in the south call themselves Judah, and the ten in the north call themselves Israel. And they're really they're really in conflict around one of the one of the two countries now is starting to worship other idols, and the other is like, "We're done. We're separating from you." And they break off from each other. But here's the thing: generation after generation, and king after king comes, and there's a lot of bad kings, and there's a lot of disobedience. And so what happens about 700 years before Jesus is the ten tribes in the north has this big geopolitical power named Assyria that comes in and takes them into exile. And that's usually the model of conflict at the time is when you take captive of of a land, you take all of the people and you send them off to different places so you get rid of their language, you get rid of their culture, you get rid of their gods by just putting them in the mix, right? So the 10 tribes have been pulled away by Assyria. Judah's in the south there, and they're getting very nervous, right? Very nervous of what might happen. And for about 100 years, they're kind of left alone, but there's this other political party that comes up, and there's a battle between Assyria and now what's called Babylon. And Babylon connects with the Medes, and they beat out the Assyrians, And now they're the world power. And guess what? We're afraid of them. We don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of the environment that we have right now. Judah is very much afraid of what will be happening. And their king is very corrupt. He's using corporal punishment to deal with his people. They're worshiping other idols. And Habakkuk is just frustrated. Look, the ten tribes are gone. Not what's going to happen to us, and we're not serving God. All kinds of questions are coming up. And let's look at this conversation as he brings his frustrations to God, looking at the country and the people he loves and saying, God, what's going on? Verse 2, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? 
Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that the justice is perverted. He's got some pretty good arguments here. I'm looking at the country I'm living in that's supposed to be your people and look at what's happening. Lawlessness, injustice, pain. Let's just get some ideas that are really important for us. First off, situations in life can feel overwhelming, but don't let it undermine your faith. There's going to be situations just as a result of living in this fallen world that you look at and you say, come on. What's going on here? Now, he's looking at politics. He's looking at his country. But we can look in our own families. We can look at the situations that come in our own life and say, God, what's going on here? Why, Why are we dealing with pain like we're dealing with? Why are we dealing with sickness like we're dealing with? Why are we dealing with people just turning their backs on family or turning their backs on God or fill in the blank there of the frustrations that we have? If it's anything similar to what Habakkuk was going through, there's no limit of violence in our world. There's no limit to injustice, it seems. And though we live in one of the greatest countries in history, both economically and and the law system, we see the same things here. Judah is declining morally, socially. Even though some of what is happening is good, Habakkuk sees it and... He's so frustrated. Here's this. uh, Any of you Lord of the Rings fans? Anybody? Anybody Lord of the Rings fan, but you don't want to admit it right now? (laughs) Frodo just is carrying the weight of this ring, right? This, This extended allegory that we have from Tolkien. And he says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. Gandalf the Grey says, So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Frodo's so frustrated. i got to carry the weight of this thing. And Gandalf says, yeah, we all do. We live in a pretty hard time. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to respond? How are we going to deal with the day today issues when it just doesn't make sense. I, uh, we were part of a church plant in Green Bay, and one of the deacons in the church owned an upholstery company, and so quickly I got a job with him. And uh, I'd never done upholstery before, and this is a company that had been in the business for four generations. The same building, the same machines for four generations, and they do antiques and they do new builds and they do yachts and cushions for yachts and stuff and and the owner's name was Dave good friend of ours Dave says to me okay we're I'm going to teach you a few things on how to tear down the furniture how to rebuild cushions how how to do your sewing and stitching but here's the thing I want you to learn how to do it from me but don't ask any questions just Do it the way we tell you to do it, and after a while, it's going to make sense. And that was so frustrating for me, right? Because you walk into Dave's place, which is four generations, and there's just cushion and fabric everywhere. 
right? There's things hanging on the wall that have hung in that spot for 60 years, right? And there's little pieces of metal, right, that are, that are part of a sewing machine that are just for specific purposes that if you lose that piece of metal, you might as well close the business, right? He says, just, just do what I tell you to do. And after a while, it's going to make sense. That's so frustrating for me, but here's the thing I learned over time. They had 60, 70 years of experience in this environment, and just trusting their experience, I could grow and be a great upholsterer. That never happened. Never really happened. But part of our lives is we don't see everything. We don't understand everything right now. But we still need to trust him, even if it feels overwhelming. Here's another thing to know, that God welcomes honesty. God welcomes honesty. I'm going to switch over to David. David's going through similar frustrations in life. He's up against opposition over and over and over again as God is fulfilling him to walk into that place where he's going to be king. And that's where we find him in Psalms 13 in his frustrations, asking the very similar questions of Habakkuk as he starts wrestling with God. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then we see in all of his frustration, almost like David takes the wheel and just decides to switch gears from his questions and his frustrations. And he says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You ever, ever been in that place of just such frustration, such pain? I, hear the words again because I want to go back to Psalms 1 again. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts? How long, as day after day, I have sorrow in my heart? Some of you walked in today, and it's almost like these are your words. Let me me just encourage you about something. You're not going to offend God by just being honest. Relationships are built on honesty. David had no problem being completely honest with his pain. I really, I really like some aspects of liturgy. Some of you may have come from a church that is much more liturgical. In other words, they more read some prayers, they read the content of what may be called a homily or sermon, and they have a structure that maybe has a seven-year rotation to make sure that the whole word of God over time comes through, and I love liturgies for that. Even, Even written prayers are nice to be able to just kind of speak in unity, the same mind and the same thoughts. But this prayer that we're reading right now from both Habakkuk and David It's not a liturgy. 
is just spoken from a heart of pain. I'm just going to be honest with you, God. I don't get this. Let's look at the Lord's response. I think that's important because we hear Habakkuk's frustration, but here's the great thing is God responds. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Well, that's not a feel-good answer, is it? <laughs> God's like, or Habakkuk's like, God, what are you doing? Violence, violence. And, and God's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's going to get worse. It's going to get really bad really fast. Because here comes Babylon. And they're going to sweep over you like you weren't even there arrogant, evil people, and they're coming. Well, that's not really the response we want on a Sunday morning, is it? We'd we'd like more out of that, but I want us to go back to verse 5 because I think there's some hope in the midst of this pain. (laughs) Maybe not. I don't know. Let's see. Verse 5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. That's huge. Now, these bad things are happening, but I'm going to surprise you. First, let's get a few ideas from this. First of all, sin is very serious to God. It should be serious to us. Why are all these things happening? Because truly Judah has been doing violence and evil. They've been worshiping other gods. They've been choosing ways other than gods. And so there's repercussions for sin. Because here's the thing. Sin destroys. God's got a great plan for our lives, and that plan is a blessing. When we hear the word blessing, it's about flourishing. It's about the best life possible, right? And when we turn our back on it, there are repercussions when we choose sin. Every sin has a corresponding struggle that comes with it, a pain that comes with it, a repercussion. Sin destroys, and often we keep sin so close because we see the world around us and we think, if we just do as they do, it looks like they're prospering. But they're not. They're not truly in God's plan if they're choosing disobedience and sin. I grew up in Green Bay, as I said. Uh, I have an older brother, two years older than I am, uh, two cousins that are very close to us as well, John and Scott, and we used to play this game. Um, For some reason, my parents decided to give us uh, folding knives when we were about nine years old. 
How many of you got knives real early in life? Yeah, it's okay, right? It's okay. When, when there's some wisdom attached to it, you know, we didn't have much of that. We used to play this game, and you'd, you'd stand across from another person with your feet like this, and you'd open up the blade, and you'd throw it at the other person's feet. And the goal was don't move your feet, right? If you move your feet, you're lost. Right? So you throw it at the other guy and try to get as close to their foot without hitting their foot. How many of you have played this? Come on, honestly, who's played this game? Oh, thank you very much. I thought I was the only, only person. How many of you have, like me, gotten, the, gotten the, the knife go straight down into your foot? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, I lost. I actually won. I didn't move. But has anybody played it with flip-flops? That's next-level stuff. That's next-level stuff. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us as believers, we live our lives just like that. We try to get so close to the fun of sin, and the reality is we're just sticking ourselves over and over and over again with the pain that comes along with it because somehow we believe that our plan is better than God's just the reality. And, and because of it, the repercussions is all that Habakkuk is seeing, pain upon pain upon pain. So first we need to see that in all that's happening in, in Judah and in all that's happening with Babylon coming down, it's a result of sin. It's a natural repercussion of sin. But also that God works in ways that are just hard to understand. Look at the nations. Watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So just exa- imagine this. Habakkuk gets on his knees and, and is crying out to go, Lord, why, oh why, Lord God, do I see injustice? Why do I see these hard times? And, and God kind of nestles up next to him and sits down next to him, puts his arm around him and says, I'm going to do something in your day that even if I told you right now, Even if I explained to you how I was going to do this, you wouldn't believe it. But I want answers. I want to know process. I want to know why I'm going through this today. I want to know why the world is like this today. Give me the answers. I I don't know if we have all the answers. I don't know if we're going to get them this side of glory. Right? But learning to trust God is learning to say that I may not understand what is happening all around us. I may not understand the why and the how long, but I choose to trust you. Now, some of you are sitting back and saying, I don't know if that's a good enough answer. Guess what? We're limited. We see only a veil, Romans says. We only see darkness, what's really happening. Someday we'll see clearly. Isaiah 55, beautiful passage. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It doesn't make sense. Why, God, how long? We may not understand this side. We may not fully understand. 586, Babylon comes through, decimates Jerusalem. 
takes Judah away. There's a natural repercussion comes of sin. It's hard to understand, but our best plan is not better than God's plan, even though it doesn't make sense right now. But God sees it. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come. I, uh, I read a really interesting chapter a couple weeks ago from a guy named Watchman Nee, and it's, he's been, just been bugging me in my brain just around what it means to not only believe on Jesus Christ, to, but to make him Lord of our lives. And he challenged in his chapter that the average person who attends a church is comfortable with believing. Believing in who Jesus is, believing that he came to earth, believing that he died on the cross for our sins, believing that he rose again and is fully God and fully man. Like, we're comfortable with that belief system. But it's the Lordship that's the problem. It's one thing to believe on Jesus. It's another thing to say, Lord, you get to be the leader of my life. Maybe that's about the strongest struggle of the church today. I can believe in him. But when he has a plan that I don't like, his lordship gets pushed aside. When there's a plan that I'd prefer not to be a part of, I'm going to push his ways aside. And, and in effect, we say, I'm the Lord now. Listen. Listen. Habakkuk is being told for the next 30, 40 years everything you know about your country is going to be gone. Everything you know about your land is going to be gone. That's a heavy plan to be a part of. Here's the thing that we have today that they did not have then. We have Jesus. We sing of how Jesus has won the day. We see, sing about how everything has changed. Because it has. In Jesus Christ, we have something that was hard for Habakkuk to grasp. And that is, we've already won. As bad and as hard as it can be, Jesus has won over sin and death and the grave. I don't know if our whys and how long are the same as everybody else around the world. When we're thinking about where we're going to lunch today, our, our family in Ukraine is thinking why and how long. Right? So we may not have the same questions as Habakkuk. But let's look at the responses, both David and Habakkuk. David's response was this, but I trust in your unfailing love. It doesn't make sense, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Now let's look at Habakkuk. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One. 
we will never die. As bad as it might get, I'm going to put my trust in you. God's ultimate plan for our lives is Jesus. So if you take a moment, if you just close your eyes with me for a minute, get alone with God in a room full of people, open your heart up to him. Have you been honest with God about your frustrations? Some of you are here today, and I know your life, and I know your story. And I know that over and over again, you're asking these things of God. Why, God? How long? Why, God? Trusting God means that sometimes we don't understand everything. I don't know if that's consolation to us today or not. But what it is is to say, if I'm truly going to believe in you, then I must make you Lord of my life too. When I don't understand your plan, even if I disagree with your plan, is that my place if you are truly Lord? I'm asking you just to do this in this quiet moment. Just recommit your heart, recommit your life to making him Lord. Leader, the one who chooses my steps, chooses my path. Because ultimately, God's plan was Jesus. Habakkuk couldn't see it. It was Jesus. And he's our answer today. Heavenly Father, We're going to be honest with you today. The life we're living in is hard. And Lord, it's hard to understand. We don't know how long it's going to last, Lord. But Lord, if you are truly going to be Lord, leader of my life, I need to trust you even though I can't see what's around the bend. My hope is in you. It's strong in you. but I will trust in your unfailing love, Lord. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the Murrays to come up. They're going to be our prayer team today. I'll be standing off to the side. We're going to sing one song together. And during this song, if you want to sing along, sing along with us. But if you're like Habakkuk today and you just need some time to be honest with God, to just really put away the liturgy and all the fancy prayers and just be honest with where you're at. He's listening. He's not afraid of being, us being honest with him. Let him come in and speak to you today. Heavenly Father, as we go to you in worship right now, as you seek, we seek you with our struggles of life, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to draw so close to you in the midst of our struggles to know that you walk with us, that you haven't forsaken us, but you are our unfailing love. We pray this in Jesus' name.